Hello and welcome to another podcast of A Presence on Your Journey from Community Autism Resources. We're going to be talking about two of our programs that are being rolled out. One is actually more established in that we've been doing it for a while, for more than five years, and another one is just getting started. Equally exciting though. So our guests today are Shannon Souza, and she is the director of At Hub, which we'll get into in a minute, and Mary Fox who will be talking about a brand new rollout, and that's the College Navigation Services. So we're going to start with Shannon Souza on adaptive technology and the AdHub program. So, welcome Shannon. Thank you for having me on. I wonder if you could just briefly give everybody a rough sketch of kind of your background and particularly your role at Community Autism Resources. Absolutely. So my background is in speech-language pathology, and I am a recent assistive technology professional, so an SLP and ATP, lots of acronyms there, but we're no stranger to that at CAR. So at CAR, my title is Social Skills and Assistive Tech Coordinator. I do the groups. I also run the visual systems clinics, and in addition to that, I also teach life skills at the Gottschall Access Program. Okay, can we break down some of the acronyms just for listeners who may not be totally familiar with CAR lingo? Absolutely. So when we say AT, we mean assistive technology. And then when I said ATP, that is assistive technology professional. Okay. I had here that you were the director of AdHub. Yes. So what exactly is the AdHub? So CAR has always been really skilled with assistive technology. We have been doing this for over five years. We have several members on our staff who are assistive technology professionals. We run the visual systems clinic. And the idea of the AT Hub is that it's going to be kind of a one-stop shop for assistive technology information. So for those parents who are listening, autistic individuals, you know that there are a lot of resources out there but accessing these resources is a whole different story. So with the AT Hub, we wanna make sure that there is a place for you to go to expand our program for adults who are interested in exploring the world of assistive technology. As coordinator, what would be your responsibilities? So there are three parts to the assistive technology hub. There's the education, the exploration, and implementation. And as the AT Hub director, my role is really to help carry out those three aspects of it. So educating the community on what is AT, what things can we explore, exploring different assistive supports that could help, and then the actual implementation pieces as well. Also as a director, I want to do a lot of community outreach and collaboration with local organizations just to cover that education piece and see how we can integrate more assistive tech into our daily lives. So when we take a look at the term at hub, it's not a building, it's one-stop shopping. You can do these trainings or clinics just about everywhere. Do you do home visits? So home visits, we haven't really explored that yet, but in terms of having it be a technology hub, it's wherever we are. So the AT hub in true technology fashion follows us around wherever I can connect with other people. Can you give us some examples of typical applications of adaptive technology, what people might use them for, and if possible, what do you find are the most common of adaptive technology uses, or is there one, or does it depend on the individual? 
Sure. So being a speech language pathologist, I feel like most of the assistive technology that I see on a daily basis is related to communication. So when we talk about autistic individuals, it might be low tech, such as using schedules, visuals, or if someone is non-speaking, speech generating devices tend to be an option for assistive technology but there are so many other assistive technology areas to explore. And with this new program, well, not new program, but building on to include adults as well, assistive technology could be used for employment. It could be used for other supports to encourage more independence. For example, if an adult is having trouble remembering their daily routines, Programming Alexa with reminders throughout the day could be really helpful. Actually, that is a good example of an application of mm -hmm. adaptive technology. How do you go about matching someone with an appropriate adaptive technology? Are they allowed to keep, or not keep, but to try out, to, you know, to keep it in their homes as kind of a demonstration period? Like for example, I know in our community, with my particular disability, they let us keep a piece of equipment for a while, I don't know, maybe about 90 days or so, and to see if it's a good match. So I wonder if, if that's very similar would that be similar? That is such an important piece of that and that's where the exploration piece of the assistive technology hub comes in because the most important question is will this individual use the assistive technology and if it's not a good fit for them the answer is no. <laughs> so that's a big part of finding the right match. Our goal is to someday have a lending library where we have devices that can be trialed. With speech generating devices, there are vendors who can initiate trials there. But the important piece, as I mentioned before, is finding the right match for the individual because unfortunately, abandonment can be high with new supports. When we think about someone who uses hearing aids, for example, that's a form of assistive technology that can be effective but in order for it to be effective, you have to wear them and you have to be able to access them. And there's some individuals who it just doesn't work for them. So the assistive tech is unable to be effective and we have to find another match for them. Now, how does one go about applying for appropriate adaptive technology? Is there an application process? Are there income eligibility criteria? Is that, if we can go into some of that. Definitely. So in theory, income should not be a barrier to access at all. I really strongly believe that every individual should be able to access these supports. The difficult part is those that go through insurance because some insurance has better coverage than other insurances. And this is where the speech pathology piece comes in, talking about speech generating devices, is that in order for insurance to cover a device, it needs to be deemed medically necessary. So it's something that the individual is deemed as medically necessary as essential for them living their life. So in theory, there shouldn't be out-of-pocket expenses if we can avoid that. But if we determine that assistive technology that's not necessarily marketed as so might be appropriate, for example, like a smartwatch, then we might have to look into other ways to get the technology into the home. I love looking into grants, other ways to fund it. But more often, well, not more often than not, trials are usually at no cost to the individual, so trialing those devices. 
And what is the funding source? What if there may be individuals and families that can't afford certain aspects of set of adaptive technology? So that's something that should hopefully go through insurance. Mm-hmm. So insurance would cover certain forms of adaptive technology. I'm also a big fan of DIY, so do it yourself whenever possible. So if we are looking at low-tech supports, I have access to programs to create those, to be able to create schedules, to be able to create those visuals. And then if it's something, maybe somebody is employed at a store and has trouble folding shirts, we can DIY a shirt folder and that's something that's assistive, but we don't have to spend a lot of money or go through insurance to mm-hmm. secure that. Now, do agencies like, now again, I'm speaking from my own experience. In some cases, the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind might pay for certain aspects of adaptive technology, training of the individual to use certain aspects of adaptive technology, computers, mm-hmm. how to use them, etc. Would DDS cover some costs in some cases? Oh. That's something that the individual would have to reach out to coordinators about to see if it would be part of it. One thing I will say is that in school, children who are covered by IEPs, so the Individualized Education Plans, there is an assistive technology piece to it. And now with the adults who have DDS support who are looking through getting an ISP, so an Individualized Support Plan for adults, they did add an assistive technology piece to that. So it is my hope that there will be a lot more exploration of AT in the future. How can families and parents get in touch with you and get more information about this? Yeah, so I am always available by email or phone. Be sure to check out the CAR website, follow us on Facebook, and all of my information is there. And please reach out at any time, even if you're not sure if this is going to be a right fit. There's no harm in asking. And that's www.community-autism-resources.com for our website, which we will go over again at the end of this podcast. Is there anything more that you think needs to be said about this that perhaps I didn't bring out? So one point that I do want to make is that I don't want people to be intimidated by the word technology. I feel like that's one of the most common things I hear where people hear technology and think, oh, absolutely not. I am not good with technology. I don't want to do this. Technology is a very broad term. So using something low tech that's paper-based can be considered technology. We're not necessarily talking robots. I feel like that's where everybody's mind immediately goes where I say technology. So that's one point that I wanted to make. I do also want people to be aware that assistive technology is not magic. It takes training. It takes time. I think sometimes people are under the impression that if someone's given a support, they will automatically know how to use it which is not the case at all. Think about when we get a smartphone for the first time. Even though we've used smartphones before, we still have to learn how to access it and how to use it. And then the last point that I want to make, and I think this is an important point to keep in mind regardless of the program, but when we are talking about autistic individuals, there's a saying in the community that goes nothing about us without us. So it's so important to integrate the individual into the process and not just have their consent, but their active participation throughout to find the best match for them when it comes to AT. And that includes letting them try it, letting them test it out. And see yes, it. yeah, and also yeah. respecting that if an individual says, this is not gonna work for me, 
then they're not going to use it, and we have to explore different options. And just to remind everybody, this is not new. We've been doing this now for well over five years. This is an expansion. Is that correct? It is correct. And just additional information, we have been running the Visual Systems Clinic for that time. I've been having more requests over the summer with parents reaching out to me for increasing visual supports because these past couple of years have been crazy to say the least, but I know a lot of children are struggling with being out of school for the summer and having a new summer routine. Well, Shannon, thank you very, very much. This was very, very informative. And you're right, I think adaptive technology can be a very scary thing. And I'm finding out not only is it not so scary, but it's also universal. Some of the adaptive technology or some technology period is something that can be used just about by anybody. For example, Alexa. You don't have to have a disability to program a calendar or something like that in that device. So this was very, very informative, and good luck on the future of expanding this program. Thank you so much. Our other service that we are rolling out, and this is a complete rollout, is the College Navigation Program, and I'm pleased to have Mary Fox. Hey, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. This is Mary's second go-round with a Presence on Your Journey podcast here at Community Autism Resources. So... Since it was a while ago, can you give us maybe a brief background on yourself and your role at Community Autism Resources? Sure. So after I graduated college, I began working with adults with all various disabilities. And then within that work, I found my passion lies within autism. So I started at CAR five years ago, and my role here has been working with adults on the spectrum. And I went and I got certified in the PEERS, which is a social skills training. And then when Barbara told me about the college navigation program, I was immediately excited about it because I can just imagine how many people's lives this can benefit. So that is my new role and title here at CAR. Okay, which leads us to what exactly is the college navigator program? So it's a brand new program that is being presented to us by DDS, which is the Department of Developmental Services, and it's brand new statewide. So we're all starting this together, which is really great because we're all learning about it together. So we can lean on each other. We can ask as many questions as we need to, to make sure that we're bringing the best services to our individuals. And it is really individualized program based on what the student needs. So if they are going to college and they need help navigating the campus, I can do that. If they need help navigating the social programs that are held on campus, I can help them find the resources for that. Is anything really that has to do with college except that we are not tutors and we do not help with the academic side of it? Okay, so this knocks off some of the... Do you go into issues like support services, preparation for study, study skills, that kind of thing? Sure, so if that's what the student needs, I can definitely sit down with them and present different study methods. I won't be their quote-unquote study buddy, but I can show them the different ways to study and, and help them find a way that works best for them. And I can also help them find the access to the resources on campus because most college campuses do offer tutoring services. It's just a matter of knowing how to access them and where to find them. So I can do that as well if that's where the student is needing support. Now, are these, I know you mentioned that it's also tailored to the individual, but could you have, say, group discussions? Is it a course or does it entirely depend on the individual needs? 
So it's primarily one-on-one. -on -one. It would be me working with the individual. But if I found that I had a bunch of students that were all working on the same skill or all wanted to work on the same skill, I could potentially bring them all together. And maybe they all wanted to work on how do I speak up to my professor? How do I make friends in classes? And maybe I could do a group class on that. But it primarily is one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Now, are you working as a team or are you the college navigator? Well, the great thing about CAR is that we're all a team. Okay. So I have everybody to lean on whenever I need. It is just me for right now because it is so brand new. We're not sure what the need is going to be. But if it goes as well as I'm expecting it to, I'm definitely going to be needing support from other staff. And we have people on board that are ready and willing to jump in whenever we need them. How do you assist with the application process? So I actually just went through the application process myself because I applied to grad school and it reminded me how confusing it actually is. You need to write different paragraphs. You need to have different transcripts from all your schools. You need to get letters of references. And it's just having the organizational skills to make sure you're getting all of that stuff can be really difficult and sometimes overwhelming and a turnoff for students. So if that's what they need my supports in, I would just help them. Maybe it's just to make an Excel spreadsheet that shows what they need and when it needs to be done and just help them navigate the application process. Would you accompany an individual, for example, on an interview at a campus? I wouldn't accompany them with the interview, but I could prep them beforehand Okay. and make sure that they are feeling confident going into it. I could meet with them, have like a mock interview beforehand. I could have a phone interview as they're on their way into the interview just to make sure that they're feeling confident, but I won't be attending the interviews with them. So that would be an example of kind of like mini role playing. Right. Yep. Setting up situations yes. where they're about to meet with their admissions counselor and that kind of thing. Correct. Okay. What about housing options? Do you go into the area of housing options, roommates, that kind of thing? We definitely can. That's a big, huge part of the campus life for a lot of students is navigating how do I live with people that I've never lived with before? When do I disclose that I have autism? Do I disclose that I have autism? So if that's what they need my supports in, then I can definitely help them navigate that whole world. And I can help them if they need to figure out how do I do laundry every week because they used to live with their parents, maybe mom, dad used to do all their laundry. Now they're an independent college student living on campus and they need to figure out how to go to the laundromat. So that could be a skill that we would work on. Now, would you do some advocacy, for example, if an autistic student could not deal with having a roommate but would prefer a single because it meets their needs better or studying and etc. Could you help out in situations like that? Sure. I could show them where to <clears throat> find resources. There's the housing options on campus and whoever's in charge of that, I would go with them if they wanted me to or I could do any of the prep work beforehand and help them advocate for themselves. The whole point of this program is to help them succeed in college and graduate and then hopefully go on and get a successful career. So a big part of that is being independent. So I would do as much as they needed me to, but without going and holding their hand during that kind of interview or meeting with the housing director. I would try to help them navigate how to advocate for themselves. Now, how would you deal with issues like balancing studies with pursuing an active social life on campus, extracurriculars, that kind of thing? Sure. So that's definitely a struggle that neurotypicals have as well. The college life is so different from high school. In high school, we have teachers that remind us, don't forget, we have that quiz coming up. Don't forget, you have that report due in two weeks. We don't have that in college. You're kind of on your own. 
So we all struggle with navigating that whole piece and keeping a social life, and a lot of us work as well. So time management is huge, and I could definitely sit down with the individual. We could make up a calendar, set phone reminders, teach them how to use the technology that they have to help them better their own lives. So is it up to the individual to approach you with specific needs, or how would a conversation even begin? When an individual is interested in the program, they will contact me by email, and that's on the website as well, and they will just let me know that they're interested, and then I reach out to the area director for DDS and just make sure that everything's good on the DDS site. And then as soon as we're all set to go, the first part would be sitting down with the individual and a guardian if they wanted to, parent if they wanted to, or it could just be me and the individual. And we would talk about goals. What do you want to get out of this program? What do you want me to help you with? What is the most important for you? And I love the fact that it's so individualized and that every student is going to need something different of me. That's exciting. It makes my job different every day. And it's also really cool to see the different needs of everybody. So how can people get in touch with you then for assistance and issues like that? So we are developing the application paperwork right now. So until we have that ready to go on the website, it would just be to email me. And that's mfox at community-autism-resources.com. And we'll say the website again at the end, I'm sure, but it's all located on the contact us info. And then once they email me, I will reach out to them and we'll get the process going. Within probably by the end of the month, we'll have everything up on the website. Don't quote me on that because I don't know the timing of everything, but it should be up fairly soon. And we'll have the application and any paperwork that we need on our end on the website. I don't like to get into editorializing too much on this podcast, but I will say that I think this is going to be a very, very useful tool. I agree. Because in my experience, and I did work on a campus, and I worked in a disability services office, and I can tell you that a student sometimes, you know, doesn't know the first thing about what their experience is going to be like. So I think breaking the ice in that fashion and having this in place is going to be really, really helpful for the student as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited about it. When I went to college, I spent a whole first year not knowing what the university had to offer me. And then it wasn't until I was like, oh, I have to actually go and introduce myself to these offices and and find there's a whole commuter club that I didn't know about for the first year. And it's just knowing how to go up and approach all these resources. So I can just imagine how beneficial this is going to be for people that don't have that outgoing personality that it would be okay with just going up and introducing yourself to somebody and asking what resources they have. I'm wondering, because I have to tell you, I was more of an extracurricular person than a classroom person, but would an individual get a chance to, say, talk to a club that they might be interested in or a college athlete if they're interested in sports or if they had the potential to get involved in college sports? Definitely. So if that's what they need for supports for me, then I will go and if basketball is their thing, we'll we'll search out and if there's any extracurricular basketball clubs. If they're into equestrian, does that campus offer an equestrian team? Do they have any Dungeons and Dragons groups that meet? Any kind of social skills as well we can work on because we do have that peers background too. So we can help navigate the social world, which is a huge part of college. Well, I want to thank both of our guests today, Shannon Souza, the Director of Adaptive Technology Program, and Mary Fox, who you just finished listening to, who is the New College Navigating Services Director. Thank both of you for taking the time for doing this podcast and 
about the increasing expanding services that Community Autism Resources is getting into. Um, this is really exciting and thank both of you for talking about your roles and your services. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. So, A Presence on Your Journey is a podcast of Community Autism Resources. Barbara Domain is our Executive Director and Nick Domain is our Executive Producer. You can go to our website at www.community-autism-resources.com. Don't forget the dashes in between. And listen to the podcast on our website, or you can hear us on any of your devices that you obtain podcasts from, such as Alexa. In that case, you just say, Alexa, play the podcast Community Autism Resources, and you can hear these podcasts. And my name is Dennis Polselli. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.